This is Five on Three. Center ice for all things Islanders, Rangers, and all news across the NHL on WFUV Sports. We are back with the preseason recap of Five on Three. Here with me is Tyler Mooney, and here actually means here this time, Tyler's first time in the studio. We are back in person, um, and it's very exciting to be here, Tyler. Uh, a lot to go over in the preseason, which is not always true. Yes, very exciting that we're able to get here. This is the first time me and Chris have actually been able to meet in person. We've been recording 5-on-3 for months and months together, and we were able to finally shake hands today. So It's, it's really wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's really wild to think about. The last time I saw, like I saw Messina at the soccer game the other day, last time I saw him was you know, March or February of 2020. It's uh, It's been certainly crazy, but it's good to be back, and it's good to have a sense of normalcy and and we got we got bodies on site for Thursday's game against the Stars. I don't know if it's Colin or Quiggs who's going. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Either. Um but we somebody will be there. Madison Square Garden for the game against the Stars and we got two big games on ESPN tonight, two big games on TNT tomorrow uh and before the Ranger home opener on Thursday. Obviously the Islander home openers and for many many weeks um but we'll have that covered as well. Preseason recap starts with Jack Eichel because every recap for the last week or for the last month, month and month and year, and it feels like an eternity has been about Jack Eichel. The surgery controversy continues, and I don't know. It doesn't. He doesn't feel like he's going to play for the. Well, he's not going to play for the Sabers because he hasn't had the surgery. Uh, he's been stripped of the captaincy as we talked about. I don't see a way that this ends amicably at this point. Yeah, I don't either. I think. I feel like we are maybe heading towards a point where this can be resolved. You know, there's been reports coming out that teams are now getting access to Jack Eichel's medical records, which that could, in one hand, it could make a trade more likely to happen. On the other hand, if a bunch of teams are seeing things that they don't necessarily like, which that that could easily happen as well, it could make a trade less likely. But I think, you know, we're going to definitely get some more clarity coming up in the next few weeks. I know that Jack Eichel's agent, Pat Brisson, and Kevin Adams, they've been talking a lot. They've been working. They're trying to get something done. But I agree with you, Chris. I don't see a way that Jack Eichel plays another game for the Buffalo Sabres. And if this trade doesn't go through soon, we talked about it a bit last week, but I don't know if he'll even play a game this season if he does end up on another team. There just might not be enough hockey left. Yeah, that, that's that's part of it, too, where there's just not going to be enough time left in the season. And I Man, it, it's it's really interesting how this is going to play out because for at the beginning of it, we all thought the Sabers were the bad guys, right? Where it was like, well, this guy wants to get a surgery, the team isn't letting him, they're not letting him get healthy. Then it was, oh, the Sabers are suggest- suggesting this other surgery. If he's not traded for, or if he is traded for, and the same issue prevails, it's going to be pretty clear that he's the one in the wrong here, and not Buffalo, where he should be considering this this fusion surgery that sometimes requires a second operation as opposed to the disc replacement, which has never been done on an athlete before. So that to me is what I'm still curious about is, is he in the, is, are the Sabres in as in the wrong as we thought they were all the way back in March when this first happened? Yeah, I think, well, I think if you're a team and you, you don't want, like you look at Michael's medical records, you're weighing your options and you're deciding, you know, if he was on our team, we would probably be making the same decisions that the Sabres are making. We would not want him to get this surgery. I don't think there's a way you can at all rationalize trading for him then. So I think wherever Jack Eichel does end up, I think that team would just have to let him get the surgery because why are you going to give up all these assets, tie up $50 million on a guy where 
you're then going to have the same exact issue that he's just had with his last team, and we've seen how poorly that's gone. And, you know, I mean, there was a report that came out that said the Rangers would potentially let him get that surgery if they if they did trade for him. And then, obviously, the Mika Zibanejad news broke, so I don't know if the Rangers are really in the Eichel sweepstakes anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen with Jack Eichel. It's very interesting, but I do believe that wherever he does end up, if he does end up being traded this year, that team would probably let him get that surgery. Just I don't think it would be a smart business move to yeah. trade for an asset and then immediately get into a conflict with him. Yeah, for sure. I would agree with that. And Man, it'll be really interesting to see where he ends up. Minnesota is such an interesting team because they could make a real run at the Western Conference, although with Colorado and Vegas it feels like nobody can, but really could with the addition of a of a center Vegas could definitely leapfrog Colorado in the Western Conference if they added the top flight center. Obviously, you mentioned the Rangers are kind of out of it now. but And Anaheim yeah, was the Anaheim. other team where they could really improve and steady a ever-changing roster with a Jack Eichel. But are any of those teams going to be willing to trade their top prospects? Yeah, I don't know. Because it's going to take either Zegers or Drysdale for Anaheim to get them. It's going to take either Rossi or Boldy for Minnesota to get them. And, are they willing to part with that for a guy who they don't know if he's ever going to be the same again? So it's unfortunate. Um, part of me just wishes that he would get the surgery and play for the Sabres because I think that that's what that fan base certainly deserves. But it doesn't feel like that's going to happen anytime soon, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I don't think that relationship yeah. is repairable. Another team I did see mentioned was maybe Calgary. We haven't really heard them talked about a lot. I know none of us picked the Flames to make the playoffs in our preview yeah. last week. I'm one of the belief that I think this year could be the year where the Flames completely just tear it down. Interesting. It seems like for the last few years they've kind of just been treading water. They Sometimes they make the playoffs, sometimes they don't, but they never make it far. And a lot of those big guys there, there's question marks about them every year, namely Johnny Gaudreau. So I don't know if in this position that they're in, would it make sense trading for a guy like Jack Eichel? But you never know if a couple months into the season they're hot. They could trade for him, but then again, are you even getting him for this year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. We'll we'll, we'll transition to the Rangers here because you mentioned that they put themselves completely out of the Jack Eichel conversation. We kind of always thought that they were, but with Mika Zibanejad on an, entering a contract year, you can't go full Tavares. You you just can't do it, uh, and they're going to prevent that eight and a half million dollars a year for the next eight seasons. He's twenty eight now. Uh, so that will pay him until he's 37, starting in his year, t- age 29 season next year. It's going to be a rough contract when he's 35. There's no doubt about that, 34 even. But for now, this is a team who has the playoff expectations, wants to get into the into the dance this year, and locks up their number one center in doing it. And I think that all in all, they paid an extra year or two in order to get that get that AAV out of the 10 million range. So all in all, I mean, $63 million, I think it was. Is that right? Yeah. So $63 million, uh, that's not, I mean, he was gonna, probably going to get 60 anyways. So pay him the eighth year with the flat cap. I, I It's hard to, hard to say you don't like Mika Zibanejad on a long-term contract. Yeah, I mean, they had to, they absolutely had to get him signed. Uh, you understood this summer you're kicking the tires on Jack Eichel, seeing what's going on with that. But going into this year, 
he's your obvious and clear number one center, and you need an option at number one center if you want to contend for a cup, which the Rangers are entering that window right now. And I do believe if Mika Zibanejad would have gone to the free agent market, he would have absolutely gotten higher than $8.5 million mm-hmm. per year. Sure. I think he could have, I agree with you, he probably could have gotten 10 So it was very important for the Rangers to sign him. He, I mean, we've talked about it for the last two years. He, The guy scores goals. He's able to perform. He's playing with high-level wingers on his sides, and I think... This is just this was a really good move for the Rangers, and it's great to just get it out of the way before the season starts. Because if we had gotten into December, January, February, and he's still not signed, and he is putting up points, all of a sudden you're thinking, man, the price tag maybe getting higher. Vice versa, if he's having a poor season, it's like, well, I mean, what are you gonna do? You, is he the answer at number one center? Because he did have a rough start to the season last year. I know a lot of people, Very, yeah. and me included, were saying, you know, it's because of the COVID, and he did end the season very strong, but. That was a point for worry last year. There was a serious question in late February. Is Mika Zibanejad the answer at number one center for the Rangers? And I, th- I think he is. So I think it was very important for the Rangers to get this done when they did it. And I agree, maybe a year too too long in term. The end of that contract might be rough, but that contract will prove its worth well before Mika Zibanejad is 35, 36 years old. For sure. I 100% agree with that. And I mentioned you can't go full Tavares. Obviously, they let him play in a contract year, and that bit them in the butt. Um, and that was obviously frustrating for all the fans. And the Rangers made sure their fans didn't have to go through that. Also, there's another local comparison I can draw, which is Francisco Lindor, where that's a different situation because they traded for him from Cleveland, the Mets did. But they went all the way up until opening day without signing that contract, and he had a really bad season. Now, granted, that was a record-breaking contract. This is hardly that, but that was like three hundred and forty-something million dollars for twelve years. But that's kind of what you worry about when you do this: yes. is having the Francisco Lindor type season where he hit two thirty and barely ever got on base, or Mika. You know, maybe he only scores fifteen goals in an eighty-game season and eighty-two game season and doesn't perform up to that level. But I think that what you've seen is outside of the first 20 games last year when he had the COVID issues, he is a top flight center. You're not going to have that problem. Um, And you've left yourself a little bit of flexibility here next year to go out and and re-sign Adam Fox. And that will obviously be priority number one um, starting next year. He's an RFA, so that's why they're going to let him play in a contract year. It's really not going to be much of an issue. I don't anticipate that being it being an issue at all. So... That's why they're gonna, you know, prioritize this advantage contract, of course. But they'll have a little bit of money left to play with when Adam Fox comes up, and all of this really makes it seem like Ryan Strom is gonna have to walk at the end of this year. His four and a half yeah. mil is coming off the books at the end of this season. That Fox contract is gonna go from uh, nine hundred twenty-five thousand to nine and a half mil, ten mil, most likely. Most so that, they're going to need all of that four and a half and a lot more uh, in order to make that work. So, and then obviously they just paid Igor Shosturkin five and two thirds million. So that's that's not a cheap contract either. So it's time is starting to catch up to the Rangers here a little bit in terms of cap space, but not too too yeah. bad. Um, and the 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 reason you're we're kind of saying that now is Vitaly Krasov. Just. I have so many things to say about this, and I think I've made it very clear that I hate this Rangers offseason. So you go first because you're going to have a, a more interesting. Yeah, I mean, this was this was just pretty shocking to see this morning. So the Rangers, I don't know if you want to lay out yeah, like, yeah. what so, happened. So basically, Vitaly Krasov didn't make the team, and the Rangers are saying, if you want to, if you want to leave, go find a trade, and we'll trade you. 
basically. But that's essentially what happened. What happened. Yeah. So, I so mean, he, so he doesn't make the team, but who here's who does make the team? Dryden Hunt, Kevin Rooney, Julian Gauthier, Sammy Blay, Ryan Reeves. That's my point, is none of those yeah. players are better than Vitaly Krasov, who's 21 years old and was a seventh overall pick about 12 seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. I think it came down to, I, I've, I've done some reading on this, and I think this is at least the, one of the popular theories out there was that, you know, guys like Dryden Hunt, it's really Dryden Hunt and Julian Gauthier and Vitaly Krasov. Those were the three guys battling out for the final two spots, and obviously Krasov did not get it. I think that, you know, Gauthier and Hunt were waiver eligible. Krasov was not. There could have been thought going through the Rangers front office, listen, if we send, put either of those guys on waivers, Hunt or Gauthier, they might get picked up. So we send down Kravstov, and then another guy who might have gotten picked up who was also waiver eligible was Libor Hayek. He, he's awful. Let me just put that out there. <laughs> I, I think he's a very, very bad defenseman. But for whatever reason, they decide to also keep him on the roster. So what I saw a lot of people saying was, okay, you know, Kravstov will go down for the first few games the first few weeks he'll play number one minutes and then once they figure out the situation maybe it's a trade with Goche or a trade with uh, Hayek although I'll be honest if they put him on waivers I'm not entirely sure he would have gotten picked up I don't think Hayek he, yeah I don't yeah. I don't think he would have gotten picked up probably not and even if he did like are we really missing that much <laughs> but uh so Vitaly Kravstov though he, he he sees this happen yeah he decides He's not going to report. He's not reporting to Hartford, and he's going to clearly search out for a trade. I mean, I don't know. On one hand, I'm 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 agreeing with him. I I get what I get why he would be upset. He was seventh overall pick. He did have an amazing year last year in the KHL, and while the points weren't there in his brief stint in the NHL in the this, this past year, he he showed some promise. He didn't look completely lost as some other Rangers. Number one picks have looked in past years. Leah Anderson. Leah Anderson. Capocacco uh, <laughs> looked pretty lost his first year, too. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, I was talking about this with my friends today. You know, this isn't the first time where we've seen Vitaly Kravstov throw maybe a little bit of a temper tantrum. So this is the point yeah. that I've heard. Is like yeah. This guy has a terrible attitude. He struggled his first year in Hartford, was getting fourth-line minutes. I believe he was even getting scratched at some point. Mm-hmm. And he threw a temper tantrum, and he said, I'm going back to... I'm going back to Russia. And there was That's right. questions. I don't know if they were serious questions, but there was questions. Is, is Vitaly Kravtsov going to play another game for the Rangers at that point? And that was a year and a half ago. So now this is the second time in the past two years or so where this guy has had something not go his way, and he's basically been like, okay, well, I'm not playing for, I'm not playing for the Hartford Wolfpack, which I understand you want to be in the NHL. I understand you believe that you can be in the NHL. But there's a certain point where seeing that recurring theme is a little bit worrisome as a fan, and I'm sure it's a little bit worrisome as a coaching staff and as a front office. Yeah, for sure. And I think that this is – it was the ninth overall pick, by the way, not the seventh. My apologies. Seventh, I think, well, was That's Anderson. Leah Sanderson, yeah. Um, Looking so he, a little too eerily similar at this point. <laughs> that, and, and this is kind of where my point is, is this is a pick. Now, they did take Keandre Miller later in this draft. This is the 2018 draft, later in this first round. This is the pick that's going to be questioned for a long time, and it's because of what happened two and three picks later, where the Islanders had back-to-back picks. They have the Calgary pick, I believe, from the Travis Hamannick trade, um, if I have that correct. And they have the 11th pick, which is their own. They pick Oliver Walsham and Noah Dobson, who are going to be central parts of this team this year. The Rangers pick Vitaly Krasov, who is going to never play for them again. A couple picks later is Joel Farabee, who on another rival, Philadelphia, is it just signed a long-term extension. So th- this is a tough pick. 
on the docket of of the obviously now it's the former general manager Jeff Gordon. So it doesn't matter maybe necessarily. And maybe that's part of the reason that Jury was willing to part with them. It's like this isn't my pick, this isn't my problem, and you've been kind of a PITA for the last two years. So get out of my way. Like I kind of see it in that sense. But as I've as I kind of alluded to, I don't see how the team is better with Sammy Blay and Dryden Hunt on the wings as opposed to Vitaly Kravtsov. That, to me, is... I understand that there was a need. I think it could have been met with just one player, not four. Um, or five, even, if you want to include Dryden Hunt and Patrick Nemeth, which... Or not Patrick Nemeth, the other one, Jared Tenorti. Um, so that, that to me, is, is the main issue. I've, I've said that at length, that I think that this offseason was really bad for Chris Jury, and I think that, that Vitaly Kravtsov departure is the first domino to fall because now there's not a space for a guy who took seventh, uh, ninth overall in 2018 when just down the road a team who's a cup contender has space for two players who you could have drafted. Exactly. So you're a team who's maybe going to make the playoffs, maybe not. Everybody's kind of split and you don't have space for this guy who could shoot the puck like a crazy person. But down the road a team who wants to is go, might just win the Stanley Cup this year has space for two of them. That, that to me, and obviously you can't just compare yourself to the Islanders all the time, but I look through the lens of the Islanders and a lot of things, and I think that this is fair because a lot of Ranger fans wanted Wallstrom. Yeah, that is true. I I wanted Wallstrom at the yeah. time, and you did mention at the beginning that how they drafted Keandre Miller at the start or a few picks later in the, in the first round. They also drafted Niels Lundqvist in that draft, so those were good picks, but a lot of people were using that same reasoning, too, when, you know, this whole Leas Anderson debacle went down. They said, well, at least they got Filipino later in that draft. It's not like it was a complete wash, but seeing those late picks in the first round hit makes it even more frustrating when you're sure. saying these were two top ten picks. And if three years from now, we're, or three or four years from now, we're looking at the Rangers making deep runs in the playoffs and, you know, they're missing that one extra piece, all I think the first place you look is you had two top ten picks in the first round, and they played off the top of my head. Did they play combined 40 games Probably for the Rangers? Not, Probably yeah. not. And Kravtsov looked good last year, I thought. Yeah, he did look good. And 20 games, I think he had like four or five goals, but he looked like he belonged. Like he. he... And, and, I mean, you throw him and Hedl together on a line, all of a sudden you're bringing up Mika and Panarin part two. I, I that, that, to me, is part is like, yeah, Mika yeah. and Panarin are great, but they're also in their late 20s, and these guys are in their early 20s. And if you can build this chemistry with them starting at 21 and 22 years old, last year Kravtsov was 20, why wouldn't exactly. you do that? They're so young. They're so young. Like, it seems a little early to give up on them. Anderson is objectively not good at hockey. Yeah. I think that's, we could say that. That was just a bad pick. That was just pick. a bad pick. Kravtsov is still good. I think oh, Kravtsov yeah. is quite good. I agree. Obviously, the Islanders are going to go out and get him because the Rangers will never trade him to that team. But <laughs> whoever goes out and gets him, I think, is getting a heck of a young player. Um, and... Whether or not he's going to report to that team's AHL team, I don't know. Yeah, what the, happens if that? What's it he going to do s- then? It doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So then are you stuck trading him to a team that's bad, whether it's an Anaheim or whatever? I don't know. But, man, it, it's tough when you look at this and you look at, as I mentioned, Wallstrom, Dobson, and Farabee, and Ty Smith, who's a heck of a defenseman, dra- drafted to the Devils after Kravzal too. So, obviously, revisionist, like, you know, the hindsight's twenty twenty, but but... Um, very interesting to see that you know a lot of a lot of really good guys were drafted after him and he never really got the shot and uh, that might be to his own his own fault though so yeah interesting interesting stuff going on the last rangers thing making a lot of news this week no captain 
Six alternate captains are Temi Panarin, Chris Kreider, Mika Zibanejad, Jacob Truba. They already were alternate captains. Add Ryan Strom and, yes, Barkley Goodrow to the alternate captain list. The Artemi Panarin story about not wanting to be a captain, I don't think we talked about that. Did you see this? No, I didn't even. Oh, so, you know what? I think I might have. It, it was like a month ago, that. and yeah. I think we just missed it because uh, of our timing. But, yeah, he said he, he didn't really want to be a C captain because uh, the language barrier, and he didn't feel like that was kind of his personality, which I actually respected I him. Respect it, I, I respected the hell yeah. out of it. Um, I, upon headline reading, I was like, that's not great. But then I respected the hell out of it when you read it. I, I encourage you if you, like I almost did, just read the headline and said, oh, what an idiot. Um, go back and read it because it's very interesting what he had to say. Um, not naming Mika the captain is interesting. Not, How come Kreider, not, if Kreider's Kreider, not the captain Kreider's now, been, I've been tooting Kreider's horn for. I know, I, I, but if he's, he's not the I captain think he's the by clear this choice point, for me. If he's not the captain by this point, who the hell is, like, I, how is he ever going to be? Yeah, I agree. He I signed don't know. The, he signed the extension. Trade deadline day 2019, right? Yes. So that's a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now. And he's still not, if he's not the captain now, they clearly just don't want him to be. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. know why. I, I Yeah, I, that does make any sense. Mika's either. a great candidate. I think Truba's a great candidate. I mean, they have like, it's not like this team exactly. where, you know, in 2018, 2019, you're not naming a captain. Okay, that's understandable because maybe there's not necessarily a ton of captain-worthy players. You don't know who's going to be on the team in the next year or so. But now this team, like this core is set. You have your core pieces. You have plenty of candidates. And you also said this summer, we will have a captain named. They did say that. They did say that. They did say that. They, said, it's a, they said it was a pretty high priority. Yeah. And just to not do it, it was. I, I saw somebody posted, I don't know if you guys have seen the meme where it's like, I hope you're hungry, and then the guy lifts the plate, and he's like, yeah. for nothing. And that was how it felt. <laughs> They've been saying all summer. Everybody was they people knew it was gonna be Monday. They knew that was gonna be the day where the announcement was gonna come. Monday before the season starts. Oh, that's that was when like, the Rangers are gonna announce that, the captain. That well, was official. I don't okay. I don't know if it was like official, but everyone was like, that's when they're gonna announce it. And they did announce it, but it was the lack of the announcement or the announcement of the six alternates, I should say. That got everybody by surprise. This is currently the longest stretch of time the Rangers have gone without naming a definitive captain four and a half years now since the McDonough trade, to cycle it back to Nils Lundqvist and um, Libor Hayek, who I think were the returns in that one. Yes. Um, that was the last time they had a captain, was the McDonough trade. Um, which, I mean, McDonough's been gone from the uh, from the Rangers so long, he's a captain on the Lightning, has won two <laughs> Stanley Cups, and the Rangers still don't have a captain. Uh, obviously, to us, it's mostly meaningless. You know, yeah. like, it just has a C on their jersey. But in the locker room, I do think it's important. And I think that it's... It's something that younger players, they, they are attracted to that person with the C on their chest. And you have a lot of younger players in this room um, who could – it's not that they can't learn from Mika Zibanejad because he does, has an A instead of a C. That's not what I mean. But I think that that is a, a real point of, of leadership and emphasis for a lot of teams. And But Gerard Gallant took a team without a captain to the Stanley Cup final. So at the end of the day, it doesn't mean – it doesn't mean a whole lot, but – um, I do did think that was interesting. Speaking of the 2017 Golden Knights, the Kraken named Mark Giordano the captain in one of the least surprising things in the history of the world. The guy's been around for a gazillion years, goes to the new team, and is already the captain. Um, so good for him. But good for him. Yeah, that that's the end of our our Ranger talk because that that's a Benajai contract is going to look really good though. I I I think all in all that was that was a good move and yeah. The drama around this season just does not stop, and puck drop on Thursday is not going to be the end of it either because uh, 43 is on the other team. So, I mean, is 
Is oh Artemi Panarin playing on Thursday, yes or no? Absolutely. I yes. think there's a chance he doesn't. What? <laughs> you think he wouldn't? Because they've made it extremely clear. Very small chance, 5% chance. Okay, they've made it yeah. extremely clear that, no. they're, that they have a priority to beat the crap out of that guy. I just... <laughs> I, just I don't know, don't know I mean, how you can rationalize that. Like, I, I'm not at saying that he's point, not you're not play, even. But... Are you like obviously they're trying to win the game? If you're sitting Artemi Panera and they're like, are you trying to win? Are the they game? trying to make their team better? Also, somebody mentioned this today. Everyone's like, oh, the Rangers are just gonna go out try to beat up the Cavs. They're not gonna actually try and win. No Backstrom, no Ovechkin. Backstrom, Backstrom just got placed on long time IR. Or, oh, I missed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I missed that. And no Ovechkin. Uh, I forgot down. to. I, I, honestly, I just remembered it. Right now, <laughs> but yeah, they, Washington's going to have a little bit of shorthanded start of the season as is Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, it, uh, Thursday is going to be very interesting to see how that's handled. It is on the road in Washington, so I don't know if they're going to wait for the home game at the Garden. It's going to be extremely interesting to see how they handle that. Yeah. Uh, all right. Speaking of contracts and a couple of new contracts out there, we'll start. Hmm, we'll start in Vancouver where both of their RFAs took a long time to sign, missed most of the preseason in center Elias Pettersson and defenseman Quinn Hughes. Hughes signs the long-term contract to stay in Vancouver through the end of the 26-27 season when he will be 27, um, or 28, actually. He'll be 28 at the end of that season um, at $7.85 million. I... The contract is good because he's they're signing up to and he's it's good for the team. They're signing this, their best defenseman through for a long time. It's good for him because he'll be able to cash in once again at 28 years old. Um, just as a fan of American hockey, I would have liked to see him play not only in America but on the East Coast because I think he's a fun player. That with these new television deals, we should be able to to market. And I think his brother is going to get that in New Jersey, but. Maybe Vancouver will surprise some people and they'll make it to the playoffs this year, although I doubt it. Yeah, I doubt it as well. I did like the Luke or Luke Hughes. Too many Hughes. <laughs> I did like the Quinn Hughes contract. Uh, I think, you know, he had a bit of a rough year last year, but so did everybody on Vancouver. Yeah, so as long as he COVID, can yeah. yeah, as long as he can regain his form that he had in the rookie year, I think that's a perfectly great contract for both sides. You mentioned he can cash in on another big ticket if he wants down the road and the Canucks get some long-term clarity on the back end, which they need. The Pedersen contract, that was that was interesting to me. I think I think it's I mean, I think it's a great deal for Elias Pedersen. Like yep. you're getting what, twenty one mil over the next three years, and then you'll be able to get another massive contract. I think he still would be an RFA for he one is. more year. So Hughes bought up one year of UFA. So his contract could have even been one year shorter and he still would have gotten to UFA. Pedersen is 22. He signs a $7.35 million contract through the 24 season. And, yes, he will be an RFA at the end of that. So he's stuck in Vancouver for a while, too. Yes. Where if they're not any good, like, these, both these guys are going to be stuck there a while. But the hope is that they are going to be good, obviously, for that team. And they have a lot of their – pretty much all of their players are signed for at least through next season. Horvat signed through next season. JT Miller. Garland just signed that long-term deal. Ekman Larson's there for the rest of time. So is Tyler Myers. Um, but so the, it's just Van, it's just Vancouver. It's just Jim Benning. It's the good and the bad of the contract sheet. Um, and I think both of these contracts are good for Vancouver because they're able to keep Hughes and they're going to have control over Pedersen still. So even though on paper it's like, oh, wow, it really looks like Pedersen wants to get out. Yes, of course he wants to get out. It's Vancouver. But I, I think 
I think that they're they're still going to be able to retain him after that 24 season. It is also it for just speaking in terms of the next three years. That's great value for Elias Pettersson. Like Absolutely. I think he's definitely worth more than 7.3 million dollars per year. So. That's at least in the short term, it's absolutely great value for Vancouver. I'm sure if you're a Canucks fan, you would have rather seen him take a deal like Hughes, just so you know, absolutely 100%, he's gonna be with you guys for the next six, seven years. But I don't think you can really be mad at right. the contract. And he also signed a contract through the end of what's supposed to, to the flat cap era. Yes, he yes. signed a three-year contract. We're in year one of the four-year flat cap that Gary Bettman said because of the COVID-19 situation. So. That that's really the reasoning behind it more than anything in my eyes, um, but all in all, this this was good. They prov- they were not able to be one of them wasn't able to be offer sheeted and the other one was. I don't remember, but there was never really a threat that either one of them was going to leave. So I think all in all, this was positive. They added obviously as we mentioned Ekman Larson and Garland to the team this year. They're hoping to get a better season out of Thatcher Demko, who is getting paid five million dollars a year now for the next five years. So. It's going to be a really interesting season in Vancouver. They have playoff expectations. We don't think they're going to make the playoffs because uh, I think they're just, in my eyes, they're a little bit too shallow. They don't have they don't have really good depth. Um, you know, besides Pedersen, Horvat, Miller, Garland, Hoglander was pretty good last season. Other than that, I'm not seeing a ton of guys on this offense that I like. Um, and Demko has to prove a lot. Has yes, to prove a lot because he was really, really good in the Vegas series and in the series before that in the bubble. But he was he was really bad last year, really really bad, and that that's going to be. Brock Besser is also starting the season on IR too, and that defense just has a little too many questions for me as well. We right. you mentioned how Ekman Larson and Myers are going to be there for the end, until the end of time. It's not necessarily a great thing. No, no, they're paying those two guys combined thirteen point two million dollars for the next three seasons. They're both in their thirties, and they both haven't had a good season in about yes. three or four years. And I think a lot of the not maybe not a lot, but a decent amount of the reason why Quinn Hughes maybe had a rough season last year too was because he was not playing with Chris Tanev. Was he gone. lost. He lost Chris Tanev. Yeah, so Chris Tanev was gone. As much of a Superman as Quinn Hughes is, it's tough to do it when you're a man on an island. Yeah, that that is absolutely fair. Speaking of man on an island, Kirill Kaprizov signed a contract. Um, that was mean to the rest of the Minnesota Wild, <laughs> specifically Joel Erickson. But I do mean it because we all picked them to make the playoffs. But when you look at the team, they don't look so great. Jared Spurgeon is a solid player. Matt Dumba can can score a little bit from the defensive end. But Kirill Kaprizov is the is the motor that makes this team move. Five year, forty five million dollar contract, taking him to the end of the twenty six season, uh, when he will be twenty nine. So he'll be able to cash in again. Uh, good contract for both sides. He's there for a long time. He he's there for uh, maybe a little bit longer than the, he wanted to be. A little bit shorter than Minnesota wanted him to be. So it's definitely a compromise. Um, but that appears to be what was holding them up. So they got it figured out before the season started. And Kaprizov's going to make that money after the Calder year. Yes, they absolutely had to sign him. It it did look a little scary there at some point. There was the rumors that. Uh, the team from Moscow and the KHL had offered him a $10 million contract, I believe, if he had not signed with Minnesota. So I know Wild fans were probably getting a little nervous there, and I was too because I absolutely wanted to see – I think any NHL fan, unless you're 
like uh, you hate the wild for some reason, which I don't really know who hates I love, the wild. I love how you tried to think of the wild's main rival there <laughs> and couldn't even process who it was. You're like, unless you're a, you know, you just hate I, the I, wild. Like, because yeah. who hates maybe the, the wild? The Jets? I don't know. They're right Chicago, near each other. Maybe? Chica- yeah, probably, it would honestly probably be Chicago. But like, I, I always feel like cheering for the wild. They, we, they, we've talked about the wild, you know, in the past decade, they've been pretty much the same team every year. They're mm-hmm. very solid, maybe not the most exciting team. They always make the playoffs. They never win a round, or maybe they win a round here or there, but they never make it that far. And Kaprizov, he made the Wild an exciting team to watch sure. again. For the first time, honestly, in my lifetime, I was excited to watch a Minnesota Wild game because of the players that they have. He's just an electrifying player. He set Wild rookie records in basically every stat that you can for a forward. Mm-hmm. So... They absolutely had to get it locked down. I'm sure, yeah, they would have liked him there for a little bit longer, but at least he's there, which it took him forever to get over there. What, four or five years? It, so long it would have been there. a crime if he had just left after one year after giving us that incredible year. So it's great to see him stay in Minnesota. Yeah, he, he was definitely one of those guys where he could not get uh, offer sheeted. That was not an option. So he was either Minnesota or Moscow, and he ends up in Minnesota. Um I mean, yeah, all in all, this was such a great signing. He has 51 points in 55 games last year. Struggled in the playoffs, though. Two goals and an assist in the seven-game loss to um, Vegas. Excuse me. Uh, Yeah, seven-game loss to Vegas. So that is a little bit questionable. But, I mean, look, they they were outplayed all all series long by Vegas, and they were able to push it to seven. But this team is going to rely on Kirill Kaprizov 1, and if Camp Talbot can keep up what was a really good season last year, that's going to help them as well. But And you also saw some good things out of Capo Kakinen, so yes. this, this, it's going to be interesting. It, I, I've heard some things that maybe their young guys, Matthew Boldy and Marco Rossi, have an outside chance of making this team at a camp, um, which I think would be very interesting to see kind of what those guys have. Um, Boldy seems closer than Rossi does. Boldy's yeah. 20 years old. Um, and was a draft pick, I believe, in the 2019 draft, if that's correct. Um, and, yeah, I think I, I that would be the interesting one to me. So I um, actually use the 20, yeah, 2019 draft, 12th overall. The lines that I'm looking at have him on the fourth have line. Have him right on, the, now, on so. the line. Yeah. Yeah. So that I'll be very interested to see how he is handled and how he, his, because he was with Iowa last year, their AHL team. How his development is handled because he's he's another guy, another winger. So if they're able to get a, a top line with Kaprizov, Eriksenek, and Boldy, maybe you could start making some moves. Maybe Minnesota has a top line that can, and they'll be able to start getting this ball rolling into a a contender in the Western Conference. But for now, it's still just how far can Kirill Kaprizov take this team? And last year we saw him take him to the brink of a first round win. Maybe this year it's a little bit further, but. He will be there for the foreseeable future. Um, another guy who signs a big contract is Nick Suzuki. So you talk about, when we talked about the Jesperi Kakaniemi thing, my number one criticism of Carolina was that he was overpaid, one, and a better player in Nick Suzuki was going to be an RFA after this season. Now Nick Suzuki signs a contract Worth $7.87 million per season, an eight-year extension. So the max takes him to the end of the 2030 season, which is an insane number to even be saying. Um, uh, and it's higher AAV than the Andrei Svechnikov contract. Um, but he is 
saved from the wrath of the Carolina Hurricanes, <laughs> uh, and it will be a Montreal Canadian till the end of the 2020s. Um, I think that it's a little bit rich for what Suzuki has already proved, but for what he can prove and what he can be, I think that this is this is really good to get this guy in here for a long time because we saw with Kakanyemi that if you screw around, I guess Don Waddell is going to come for you and get, yeah. your, get your guy. This definitely you're lying if you say that the what happened in this past month with Jesperi Kakaniemi had no effect whatsoever on the Montreal Canadiens saying, okay, maybe we <laughs> should get this guy locked up as soon as possible. And I thought it was a great deal for both sides. I mean, he had 41 points in 56 games last year. I know he was playing in the North Division, which was a little weak on defense at times, but if he can keep up scoring at that rate, that contract sure. is absolutely worth it. And he's only 22 years old. I mean, he has so much space to improve so you get locked up long-term security for both parties which both parties will love and I think that if Nick Suzuki can continue on the trajectory that he's on I think that'll be a great deal for Montreal you also have to think he was the main piece in the Max Pacioretty trade so that might be part of it too where it's like we have to warrant trading our captain which they did in the 2018 season just before the 2018 season started I should say and they, they had to make that worth it, and I think Suzuki already kind of had made it worth it. With You see Pacioretty, he's still playing well, but not quite as well as he was maybe five years ago. This really makes that worth it, where they're going to have this guy, this return um, for a long, long time, and uh, Tomas Tatar was the other part of that return, and he's obviously on the Devils now. So Suzuki's the lone piece left, and I think I think he'll be able to prove that he is – he is an absolute star, and he's gonna. Pe- I think him and Caulfield together yeah. is gonna be. That's gonna, gonna be, gonna be a dynamic power, duo. What powers them forward for, for a long time? All right, so we've been going for a while here. Today is the day, as they say in Finding Nemo, the sun is shining and the tank is clean. The season starts today. ESPN has Pittsburgh, Tampa, and has Seattle, Vegas. Then tomorrow, TNT has the Rangers and the Capitals and Chicago and Colorado. So we have matchups between very interesting teams, I think. uh, Those are eight fascinating teams to me. Um, And two new television networks, which is, I am so excited for the next two days. I don't think I'm going to, like, turn off the TV. (laughs) Like, we're going to leave here. It's about 5.30 now. We'll leave here, get something to eat, and then just not turn off the TV until Thursday, Um, which the Islanders are starting. So, nope, the TV's not going off then either. But... Tonight, we'll start with tonight, because Pittsburgh, they're not going to have Crosby. They're not going to have Malkin. Tampa's going to raise the banner, and Pittsburgh's goalie is still Tristan Jari. So I think yeah. that, that tonight tonight's first game is going to be an absolute, uh, absolute shellacking, because Pittsburgh, without those two guys and with Tristan Jari, is an objectively bad team, and I'm already starting to regret putting them in the playoffs. They haven't played a game yet. <laughs> Just because, like, Crosby's only going to be out for a week, so he's going to be back very soon. But, man, I am really interested to see. Tristan Jari is, a, like, one of my top ten players to watch for the first, like, six weeks of this season because he, the last memory we have of him is him standing outside the, obviously there were more games after this, but this is, like, the highlight. Him standing outside the crease, passing the puck to Josh Bailey in double overtime, puts it in the net, and they win game four. That's the last real memory we have of Tristan Jari. Then he gets shelled in game six, and he goes home. It's the reason the Islanders won the series. Um, and I think you're a fool if you don't think that because they played pretty even games. Yes. And all of a sudden, Tristan Jari's there handing game four to Josh Bailey on a silver platter. He is one of the most interesting players. If he comes out tonight and has a heck of a game, maybe we're going to start talking about Pittsburgh in a different light. 
Yeah. I don't, He's I don't, not going to, though. You no, don't, you, I don't <laughs> think he is. I You laid it out perfectly right there. No Malkin, no Crosby, and Tristan Jari. Right now, they got, like, Danton Heinen as their one of their first-line wingers. I don't want to come on here first night of the season and say that both games are going to be shellackings tonight, but I, <laughs> I really think they will be. I think Tampa is just so much better than this Pittsburgh lineup that we're going to see. And you mentioned they're raising the banner. And then in the late game, Seattle and Vegas, Seattle's missing like half their yep. forwards with from this COVID protocol. I saw a tweet today that said as many as eight of the 12 forwards are going to be making – that could be playing tonight will be making the league minimum. Wow. Which, talk about a rude awakening to the league. Again, they're also playing in Vegas, so that building's going to be rocking. So, I mean, I I wanted to pick the Kraken to win tonight. It would be such a great story. But I just, I don't, I honestly don't think they really have a chance. Unless Grubauer comes out and has, like, an absolutely incredible game and they win, like, 2-1. Because I think that's the only way they'll be able to win. <laughs> if they get into a... Like a shootout with Vegas, I think they're going to get absolutely embarrassed. That that's true for Seattle for the entire yeah, season. Yeah. I think even with these, it's McCann, Donskoy, and Johansson who and Yarncrook who are the forwards, and then Jamie Alexi- Alexiak, the defenseman. So basically, it's just Jordan Eberle now and a bunch of dudes. Oh, Yanni Gord as well. Uh, is is um, Gord? I thought Gord was maybe hurt. He had the surgery, but I thought he was going to be back in time. Maybe we'll not. It. We'll find. It. We'll find. It. We'll, we'll we'll work on that. But. So if it's if Gord is still out with that surgery, then it's really just <laughs> Eberly and a bunch of dudes. Um, yeah, I think that's the true for Seattle for all season though, because that that's kind of I mean, Vegas played a little bit differently than that, where Will Carlson scored forty three goals, but they're gonna have to win these games defensively. If Daryl Sutter was not already hired by Calgary, like very shortly before Seattle hired their coach, that's who they should have hired. Like. They needed a guy yeah. who's – and Dave Haxtell, maybe he is that guy who, who builds this defensive system that carries them to the playoffs. Um, but that's what it's going to take all season, and it's obviously going to take that tonight as well. Ron Francis says the entire team has been vaccinated, and it's just it's just a couple breakthrough cases that are spreading through, five players in COVID protocol, and their radio announcer, I saw, by the way. Really? Randomly got COVID. Huh. So I don't know if that's related, if they've been – uh, a little bit more lax, or I have no idea, but that was I saw on Twitter. Their radio announcer also got COVID, so he's not making the trip either. Just this, we just can't get off the ground with this season. The new team, <laughs> the new team is five players to COVID protocol before we even start a game. Yeah. Um, and I saw on Twitter that Justin Bieber is going to be part of the like NHL on ESPN like opening or something like that. So I don't know if he's going to be on TV or just like narrating something or I don't know but I heard that just singing Bieber, hopefully oh, if he's going to be maybe, doing something exactly, I would kind of hope maybe, it would be singing yeah, that's, kind of, that's his forte that, that is his forte <laughs> so Justin Bieber as well going to be on your or maybe you're just going to hear his voice <laughs> not really sure um, and then tomorrow's games Rangers we obviously went over Capitals they, they're such an interesting team because I don't know if they're going to be any good or not and is their goalie good and they have so many players over the age of 30 and so many people are picking them to miss the playoffs where is it's the end of the Ovechkin era, but he just signed a five-year contract. <laughs> they are a really interesting team because it feels like nobody can figure them out, and they're going to have to put together a heck of a season to make the playoffs in this division. And that's going to have to start with beating the Rangers, who want to come in there and physically beat the crap out of them because that's what they did all offseason. Yeah, it's that's going to be a great game. I think it's a pretty close game as far as the odds makers have put it. And they're both teams that their seasons can go – 
the, the spectrum of how good this and how mm-hmm. bad they can both be are, is very wide. I mean, these teams can both make the playoffs, and these teams can both be not very good. So it's going to be interesting. I would, I would think, I mean, I'm not going to come on here and say the Caps are going to win. I'm obviously going to say <laughs> the Rangers are going to win, but no Ovechkin and no Backstrom. I think that is massive, and I would say that puts the Rangers over the edge, assuming that Artemi Panarin plays, Chris. Yeah, I, he will play. You know what I mean. They're going to play – <laughs> Put out just a bunch of like the Hanson brothers like twelve times, uh, and then Chicago, Colorado. This is going to be interesting. Is Chicago good? One game against one game against Colorado is not going to be enough to to tell us if they're good or not. But I think that it's gonna that that's that's the watermark for the Western Conference is is Colorado and Vegas. And if Chicago comes out and they lose four to one, we're all. You and I especially are going to say, oh, well, maybe we were right about this team, that they're actually really not very good, and they paid a lot of money for players who aren't good. That, that, Because that is all I need to see is them lose by five goals to Colorado <laughs> and be like, yep, I was right. This team sucks. But the people who are like, oh, yeah. Seth Jones is actually good are going to be like, oh, well, it's Nate McCoon. He has no players. It's like, no, he's just not good anymore. It's a good challenge to have. I mean, they – they did the defense was the key that they revamped. They got Flurry, they got Seth Jones, they got Jake McCabe. So, you know, you're testing yourself up against probably the premier offense in the Western Conference, if not the National Hockey League. So that I'm definitely more excited for the Thursday games than the games tonight. Interesting. Yeah. The those those games that are tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday, you got the Rangers and Dallas and the Islanders play in Carolina. And then the Devils open on Sat on Friday. So big week. Tyler and I are do- doing the Islanders, as we mentioned, which does not start till Thanksgiving for us. So that's we get to talk about puck yeah. here without going to any games for a couple of weeks. Quiggs and Colin will be switching off uh, Ranger games, and you can follow with them on Twitter and check out all their coverage. All right, until next week, we'll be able to review and preview regular season hockey for the first time in many, many months. For Tyler Mooney, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll talk to you then.